sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. When you're studying the Bible, you get ready for transitional statements. Uh, You'll find this in the book of Acts as Luke was writing and he'd say now as they made the trip somewhere, you'll find Paul saying things like, now to the question that y'all have asked, or you've asked, they wouldn't put the y'all in there. That's the Southern version. But mm-hmm. in Proverbs chapter 25, there's a transition statement, verse 1. These also are Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. Now, again, we don't know if he was talking, and then they were out there writing it down, what he said, but it is what Solomon had. So in chapter 25 of Proverbs, a transition is made Now, not in its validity, not in its value, just you notice things like that. And for me, it helps me to know the validity of the scriptures. Alex, I love the book of Proverbs. I've already told you again and again. I'm so proud. We've gone over it again, chapter each day. And uh, chapter 25, it really hits the nail on the head when it comes to relationships, brother. Well, exactly, exactly. And, you know, whether they be Proverbs written by Solomon or recorded from Solomon by the men of Hezekiah, you know, ultimately this is the Word of God. And this relates to the miracle of inspiration. Bert, I had a person ask me yesterday about how do we respond to the the person who says, well, the Bible was written by men. Well, the the human authors might have been the penmen, but ultimately the source of the content was God. The inspiration of Scripture, fully divine, but yet written by man. In a way, that's somewhat like the incarnation of Jesus, fully man, but not fallen man, and fully God. And so just as there was a dual nature to the Savior, there really is a dual nature to Scripture. It was maybe... Uh, ink on paper, or parchment, really, rather, or vellum, which is leather, uh, written down by man, but ultimately given from God himself. Amen. And so that's what we want to look at today. It's 28 verses. Now, if you look at this one, again, uh, we talked about, and again, when I say randomness, I don't mean mishmash. When you look first, chapter 11 through 22, But here you get back to categories for a while, several verses on one subject rather than one subject here and one subject there. Now, every once in a while you'll get it, but they're more uh, in line with a grouping. Uh, I would say verses 1 through 7, notice how many times the word king or kings is mentioned. So he's talking about the relationship with kings. Then you come to verse 8, and you'll see the repeated word neighbor. And again, how to have a relationship with neighbors. In verses 21 through 24, believe it or not, it's just one, and it's very short, but it's your enemy. What do you do with the enemies? And finally, 25 through 28, it's basically how to get along with the hardest person that you know, Alex, and that's yourself. (laughs) Amen. That's right. Well, let's read some in 25. Verse 2 interesting verse. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings to search out a matter. The height, the heaven for height, and the earth for depth, and the heart of kings is unsearchable. Bert, um, God reveals truth. But do you know what? God doesn't just toss stuff away for those that don't care. You know, speaking of concealing a matter, in a way, God has revealed so much that we can know Christ, we can know how to be saved. But there are things hidden that uh, don't get revealed unless the Spirit of God is working on a humble, receptive heart. That is so true, Alex. And let me just say, I found it true in my life. And, uh, you know, circumstances can help you see things that you never saw before, experiences that you have had in your past, and now you read it again. And, and so it's the Holy Spirit of God working in you to reveal these things. Some things will not be revealed until glory. And even in glory, I'm not so sure. I always thought uh, heaven 
would be a place. Yes, it'd be next to Christ, and we'd be there uh, glorifying him forever. But I thought, well, man, uh, that's where I'll have all my questions answered. Uh, I came to this conclusion. Some of my questions are not worth answering, Alex. <laughs> so well, so well, I, don't yeah. know, I don't know whether or not they'd be answered or not because they're really unimportant. But it does say yes. that God does know, and I love that term, search out a matter. Um, yes. Listen, it really helps to have people that will look deep and investigate and look and just get past the surface. And I praise God for people like that, like you. You're you're a wordsmith. You in you major didn't you major in English in your uh, I did for, okay. Um, so, I did, and there, there's a story there, but I won't tell it now. But, but part, yeah. yeah, but that's you, and and I enjoy that so much of you when you're teaching, and you'll you'll say this word, this word, this word, and, and I know what I tend to do. I say, man, the history of this comes from the the geography of it comes. So it, it I have to what we bring, the way God's created us in our interest. We bring that to the table in looking at the Word of God. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's different for everybody, but in searching out a matter, you'll see things I won't see. I'll see things you won't see. But when we put them together uh, and God's Holy Spirit leads us, uh, it, I, th- I find it amazing, brother. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, verse 3, the heaven for height and the earth for depth. And the word translated height, there's the word loftiness. How lofty and high are the heavens? Well, immeasurably so. And how high and profound and lofty is the truth of God's word uh, beyond our comprehension? Um, Hey, you know what, Bert? Uh, You know, I play the guitar and I've been around a lot of musicians and uh, it's always a joy and it's been my privilege to you know, met the Beach Boys and got to jam with them a little bit a time or two. But there, there have been times that I've been with musicians, and I just would soon not pick up a guitar because, you know, I mean, I can hold my own, but every now and then you'll meet people and they're in a whole other level, and I'll just step back and keep my mouth shut, right? And I think about the profound truths of God's Word. Last night I was watching some videos from Answers in Genesis. Uh, Bert, you, you recall Ken Ham and yeah. the great folks at the Ark. And they had some teachers, math professors, talking about the profound nature of creation. And verse 3 of Proverbs 25, as high as you want to go into the heavens, as far deep as you could plumb in the earth, you know, God's truth and God's revelation is beyond that, and we might try to search it out, right? Well, I was watching these mathematicians that were born-again believers. They were talking about the physics of the solar system. Everywhere you look, there's intricate, almost you know, beyond fathoming math at work. And at the cellular level, the molecular level, there's math. And I think about, here's my point, the arrogance of humanity, that there have been skeptics that will say, well, you know, there is no God, and all of this came out of nothing. Or if there is a God, you know, he's got a lot of explaining to do. Let me tell you something. Uh, I think very quickly, people, when they see God, are going to realize that uh, we're we're fortunate just to be able to bow and worship and Amen. say, God, have mercy on me, because God and his power and his truth is so beyond our puny little mind, isn't it, Bert? <laughs> it really is, and uh, and I, I sometimes I do repeat myself quite often, and I've, I'm repeating it again. These unknowns by me do not drive me away from it drives me toward God because his ways are completely beyond ours. He reveals them to us, and we can, as it says there, search certain things out. But Alex, when we look at his, again, the two big things in the Bible, creation, and we look at redemption. Amen. we know some of each one of them. We've experienced both of them, but they're beyond our very comprehension. It's above and beyond anything that we could even ask or think, isn't it? It really is. You know, verse 4 talks about the dross being refined from silver, and so much has been said about how even as a born-again Christian, we need the perfecting work 
of dross removal <laughs> from our lives, oh, you man. know. Yeah. And uh, then it says in verse 5, Take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne shall be established in righteousness. Put not forth thyself in the presence of the king, and stand not in the place of great men, for better it is that it be said unto thee, Come up here, that thou shouldest be put lower in the presence of the prince. All right. Uh, the wicked get judged by the righteous, and they're put away. But even if you're um, there in the presence, you don't put yourself forward. You don't uh, assert or insert yourself. Verse 7, it's better to be called on than to try to be, um, you know, a social climber trying to <laughs> vaunt yourself up. Amen, Alex. This is great advice. I, I would suggest everybody... Getting your Bible out or remembering it. And when you get home, underline verses 6 and 7 of Proverbs 25 and say, great advice. Uh, that is kind of the sin of presumption, verse 7. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm real. Self-importance is part of that, thinking that someone can't do this without you. Uh, I had a pastor friend, and uh, he had been in that church for over 30 years, and he retired. He was gone two weeks, but they made him pastor emeritus, and he came back, you know, and he was gone for about a month or so, and he came back, and guess what? They carried on fine without him. <laughs> After mm. 30 years, he said, it was eye-opening, humbling to know, you know, we are not necessary. It is God who is necessary. He Amen. chooses to let us in on what he's up to, Alex. We better not presume on that. Let him do the calling. Let him yeah. Put us in those places of position. Um, didn't somebody once say that the cemeteries are full of people that were quote irreplaceable? You know, <laughs> and you know God loves us and God will use us. But listen, the Great Commission can still proceed forth. It really can. It will yeah, use it. It will. Hey, that's why I say America. We want to get on with God. God can get by without America. I love America. I'm patriotic. I'm a citizen and thankful for that. But I just want to tell you, uh, that is not the whole issue. The issue is that we can't get along without God. The church Amen. can't get along without God. Alex, we're desperate for him, aren't we? We really are. Folks, this is Exploring the Word. We're in Proverbs chapter 25. Plus, later on in the show, we're going to take your calls and questions. You can call in at 888 888- 589-8840 and exploring the word in Proverbs 25 will continue after this. Stay with us. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Vivek Murthy, United States Surgeon General. His office provides information, resources, and guidance in support of our country's policies related to medicine and health. Jeremiah 33, 6 reminds us of God's gifts of health and healing. Behold, I will bring to it health and healing, and I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Vivek Murthy in his role as Surgeon General. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. A nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Most of the time, a deal that seems too good to be true actually is too good to be true. But Dr. Tony Evans says there are exceptions to that rule. He'll tell us a story about one of them today as we spend two minutes with Tony. In one of the versions of Jack and the Beanstalk, the mother says, Jack, only way we're going to survive for at least a little while longer is you got to sell our cow. Jack takes the cow and begins to walk to the butcher. But on his way, he runs into an elderly man. He says, I'll buy that cow. What will you pay for the cow? Well, I've got three beans here. The boy goes to bed at night and frustrated, throws the three beans out the window. The next morning, Jack wakes up. And outside of his little cottage is a beanstalk. And the beanstalk is humongous. And it goes all the way through the clouds up into the heavens. 
What I'm here to tell you is that there is another tree that connects heaven and earth. Because Jesus says in John 15, 1, I am the true vine. I am the one that you climb on. And if you will embrace me, if you will come to me, then you'll be able to say, fee fi fo fum. I have the blood of God's only begotten son. Be he alive or be he dead. I've got the one who's my eternal bread. You say, devil, you can't have my joy. You can't have my peace, my purpose, my family, because I belong to somebody else. If you're not completely sure what it means to have a personal relationship with the Lord, you owe it to yourself to find out. Visit TonyEvans.org today and click on the link that says Jesus. Tony has a short video that explains everything. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Psalm 14, verse 2. American Family Radio. And the Salvation Army Band is playing this hymn. And your grace rings out so deep, it makes my resistance seem so thin. So hold me, Jesus, because I'm shaking like a leaf. You know, Proverbs is practical truth, practical truth. Welcome back, Alex and Bert here. So glad you're with us as we're in Proverbs 25. You know, Bert, we're about midway through this chapter, and uh, really 8, 9, and 10 kind of go together. It says, you know, don't be hasty to strive or argue with somebody. Don't just try to get into a fight and do your neighbor shame, because he might put you to shame. And then verse 9 is about being careful about who you talk to. And if you've got a if you've got a conflict with your neighbor, you keep it confidential and don't talk to somebody else, uh, because he might hear about it and put you to shame. Now, Bert, the this thing called the rumor mill, and you confide in somebody you really not shouldn't be talking to. Hasn't the rumor mill destroyed relationships, friendships, good neighbors, even? families at times. I want to tell you a sin that is condemned in the Bible that we do not touch on very much is gossip. That's the whole (laughs) idea. It is put up there with gluttony and it's put up there with drunkenness is gossip. It is that it really is. And James makes it clear about the tongue and the damage it does. And that rumor mill I've heard if more than you know something, it's not a secret. And uh, so, you know, there are some confidential people. Let me just share with you. I think there are some numbers that are important. Uh, Everybody, I know people that want to make every number in the Bible something that's spiritual or a secret code. I, I know some are important, and I think some may be very vitally important. But let me just tell you some that are important. One, two, three, those are important. In other words, it's you and God. You, nobody can save you. Two, uh, that is you and a friend holding each other accountable and a third person that you know that you're trying to bring along. There's some important numbers, but have somebody that is as confidential as you can have to share those things with. Be careful. That's what it says. Uh, just because you know them, uh, don't, just because you know it and just because it's public knowledge and it's true doesn't mean you need to share it, Alex. Well, I know. And then it gets down to verse 11, and this is a a very famous verse, but it says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Verse 12, An earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. Uh, Bert, um, that's a a mark of maturity to to say the right thing, say it in the right way at the right time. an apple of gold and a picture of silver. Bert, have you ever seen in the Middle East, very often in Jerusalem, they'll sell these things made of silver, like a a plaque or something. And I've seen like a a picture of uh, the scrolls of the Torah, but it it was hand-carved out of silver, you know? And those are beautiful and very valuable art objects, right? Well, that's what the right word 
spoken at the right time in the right way, it's like something very precious, isn't it? It is. And the right way, let's concentrate on that body language says something. You know, it you can, it really does. The tone of your voice, I, I'm loud. I know that. Uh, when I'm in a recording studio, I, I, I take the producer, I run them crazy because my voice is loud and it carries and it'll bleed over into the other microphone sometimes. And they're over there working, trying to keep me from being heard two or three times on a microphone. But uh, let me say this, you know, be careful how you say something, the tone of voice you use and the you know, the body language and I'm, I'm, listen, I'm pointing my finger, but I got three pointing back to Bert Harper when I say that, Alex, because I'm easily excited. I get loud, but a word fitly spoken, look for it, try it, make it a goal to say those words that need to be said to your spouse, your children, your friends, your employees, your employers, Alex, uh, I love verse 11. I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, what I my take on verse 13 is going to be a little bit speculative because I have to confess I'm not quite sure that I completely know what it's saying. But it says, As the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger that sends him, for he refreshes the soul of his masters. Now, a faithful messenger that delivers the message, not only does that do good, but it prevents problems, right? A faithful messenger. Now, earlier in Proverbs, it was a thing about a man that wouldn't get up and plow because it was cold. So I was reading verse 13, the cold of snow in the time of harvest. I thought, well, wait a minute, this is going to say something bad, but no, it's something good. So here's and this is just a guess. You feel free to disagree. Um, if it's very cold over farmland and there's snow uh, at or after the time of harvest, I'll tell you that's good for next spring because next spring, after a harsh winter, you're going to have less bugs and less predators. So could it mean in verse 13 that um, a harsh winter on your farmland is going to bear benefits next spring because you're going to have less bugs and less problems. That's just like a faithful messenger that's true, that's on time, that's positive, because uh, the truth delivered correctly means you're going to have less problems. Amen. I would not deny that. And I, I, the reason I say that, uh, it not only takes care of some of the insects, but it also makes the soil better. It enriches the soil. I remember here in northeast Mississippi, we didn't get a lot of snow, but we would get, hey, as a child, you remember when you got it. It seemed like we got it more then than we do now. But every time we'd snow, my dad would talk about He's a farmer. He said, man, that's putting nutrients into the soil that you would not get any other time. And Correct. So, and, and that is exactly right. So, Alex, I think it's the benefit that you don't know about. And that timely messenger, you think, well, it's okay, but it's a greater benefit than you even think it is, even knowing it's good. Well, you know, verse 14 is classic because it's like uh, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? <laughs> you know, uh, it's funny about sports. The the older I get, the better I was. You know that yes, kind of thing? Yes, yes, yes. Whoso boasteth himself of a false gift is like clouds uh, and wind without rain. Hey, you know what? In the summertime, it'll cloud up, but it might not rain. Um, I've haven't you heard the people that um, back in the day they were the star quarterback, or what? They boast of something that they really can't deliver on. That's like clouds that you can see, but they really don't give rain. That is so true. And Peter talked about that. They're wells without water. They're clouds without rain. And so you. You know, be careful there. Verse 15, by long Mm. forbearance, a ruler is persuaded and a gentle tongue breaks a bone. There it is again, the right word. Have you found honey? Eat only as much as you need, lest you be filled with it and vomit. Now, what a word picture, you know. uh, Moderation. Moderation is the whole idea. And seldom set foot in your neighbor's house, lest he become weary of you and hate you. Uh, 
know when to stay home, Alex, you know? Uh, Amen. <laughs> and don't wear out your welcome. Exactly. That This is just great uh, principles to live by, isn't it? Well, that's right. Um, in verse 18, a man that bears false witness against his neighbor is a maul and a sword and a sharp arrow. See, a maul it, like a sledgehammer or a or a, a you know one of those things that's half axe half sledgehammer right or a sword or a sharp arrow those things can do damage and so slander spreading lies you know it's it's like here in America look Bert all of this wokeness and cancel culture and there's all these people that want to just denigrate America you know we got to live here um, and I know our home is in heaven. But till I get there, uh, I want to have a good home here in the USA. So let's watch what we say about each other. Amen. Um, Confidence in an unfaithful man in the time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. What? Um, If that doesn't get your attention, if you've ever had gout in your foot joint, you know exactly what that is. A sheet doesn't even need to be on it. It hurts. And so Alex unfaithfulness for i want to turn that around a minute and i'll throw it back to you i interrupted you i won't throw it back to you so i'd hear you don't be the unfaithful friend either you know yes that's true that that's a good point because in other words you're, you're almost like a physical injury so you just take these things at face value and it's just uh it's very clear now let, let's talk a little bit about verse 20 And uh, it says this, as he that taketh away a garment in cold weather and as vinegar upon nitre, or this is probably nitrate, so is he that sings songs to a heavy heart. You know, if somebody's heart is heavy and they're, they're, you know, downcast and you're like, hi, how you doing? Bert, have you ever known people that um, they were jokesters? And look, there's a time to laugh, but there's a time to be serious. You know, there's a time to sing songs and be happy and joyful. There's a time to be respectful. And um, nitrate or uh, actually, you know, carbonate of soda is what this is here. You know, uh, Arm & Hammer baking soda right here in the Bible. It's it's like if you pour vinegar upon baking soda, it's going to foam up and make a reaction. And just like taking away somebody's coat when it's freezing cold, or pouring vinegar upon baking soda, that's like somebody whose interaction is inappropriate. Singing songs to somebody who's grieving, making some joke when somebody's hurting. I know you have to drill down, like verse 20, to really get to the meat of these things, but Bert, this is profound truth, isn't it? It is. These are timely, uh, I would say, instructions for life. They really are to make yourself, and again, verses 8 through this passage in verse 20 is is really talking about being a good neighbor, how to be a good neighbor. Don't, don't wear your welcome out. Uh, be careful about being unfaithful and putting confidence in man. So those things is this is the way you live, and that's the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You know, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit, is for life, Alex. It's, you mm-hmm. know, if you read the fruits of the Spirit and you see those, guess what those nine uh, descriptions are? They're for life. They're for living mm-hmm. to make you the person that would be more and more like Christ. And when I see these, I see that. I see the fruit of the Spirit, discipline in my life, kindness in my life. And so, yes, this is how to be a good neighbor. Verse 21 mm-hmm. makes a transition from your neighbor to your enemy. If your enemy is hungry and give him bread to eat, and if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Now, Alex, I thought you were supposed to get even with the enemies, man. Wow. You know, I've <laughs> told this story. i got to tell it quickly. The late Jerry Falwell, and he, he, Bert, he was a big leader, wasn't he? Was. Dr. Falwell. We brought him to Greensboro February of, I think, maybe 99 or 2000, a long time ago. I rented a big theater, and uh, Dr. Falwell was doing his I Love America tour. Well, it was a freezing cold night. I mean, it was sleeting, and uh, there was a group of protesters outside. And the orchestra had about a 
25-minute concert before Dr. Falwell spoke, and they were out there saying hate is not a family value and the religious right is wrong and, you know, all these things against Dr. Falwell. And he said to me, he said, well, let's go down there and let's bring them in. And we did. And we brought him in the lobby of the theater, and Dr. Falwell said, I'm so honored you all are here. Listen, you're cold and wet. Come up here to the green room. We're going to dry you off and you don't need to stand out there in that cold. And uh, he was so cordial, and they didn't know what to do about it. And we took him upstairs. This is the Carolina Theater in Greensboro. And we took him to the green room, and Dr. Falwell said to me, he said, Alex, make sure they're fed, give them, give them the hot food, and then I want you to bring them and seat them on the front row. And the thing was, um, many were from this local college, and they, Dr. Falwell was so sweet to them fed them, gave them, you know, hot coffee and hot chocolate. And then we had these, um, you know, hot uh, like meatballs and stuff. And they ate and we just loved on them. And then they got to see the program. They didn't know what to do with it. You know, <laughs> it, it disarms them. It really exactly. does. And and that's Proverbs 25, 21 and 22. It is. Now let's read. We don't have but about two, three minutes. Verse 25 through 28. I want to read it all the way through. This is how to deal with yourself. We talked about relationships with the king, your neighbors, your enemies. Listen to these. As cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. A righteous mm. man who falters before the wicked is like a murky spring in a polluted well. Now here, listen to this. It is not good to eat much honey, so to seek one's own glory is not glory. Whoever mm. has, this is, I think he ends with one of the most prominent ones. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Self-discipline. And again, bringing that up to the New Testament, being filled with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit gives you the ability. Your tongue, your actions, your attitude. Listen, he who does has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. That means you're vulnerable, right? Oh, yeah. It, you know, back in Proverbs sixteen thirty two, it is it says, He who is slow to anger is stronger than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit is stronger than the one that can take over a city. Now, on the flip side of that, Proverbs 25, 28, if you don't have self-control, you're like a vulnerable city, and the walls of protection are broken down. Well, Bert, you know who can give us that self-control? The Holy Spirit. The Holy, only in Him, Christ in you, the hope of glory, not only in the future, but the glorification of God in our lives in the present time. Let Him receive glory and honor forever and ever. We're going to receive your phone call. Make that call now. 888 888-589-8840. I can just turn that radio station on and it just comforts me. It gives me peace. It gives me hope. AFR is sharing the love of God, and we'd like to know how that has affected you. I just want to thank God so much for Christian Radio and especially AFR. Call 877 876 8893 and give us a minute or two about AFR in your life. Call in your AFR story today. Keep up the good work. You're an inspiration to me. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. Introducing AFA Streaming, a new online platform that hosts all AFA-produced video content, including documentaries, church curriculum, American Family Radio shows, and our Cultural Institute series. The Constitution only works in the atmosphere of Christianity. Critical race theory and intersectionality are new religious frameworks. The Christian must say, as Paul said to the Galatians, there is no new gospel. AFA Streaming is a vital step that we are taking to fulfill our vision to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. 
you'll find top-notch resources that address the issues of our day related to marriage, family, the sanctity of life, and many others. Start streaming today, streaming.afa.net. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. 1 Samuel chapter 1 begins by introducing us to a woman named Hannah. She was tormented and grieved by barrenness. Hannah wept continually and was so disturbed that she wasn't eating. Yet she makes her way to the Lord's temple, poured out her heart to him, moving her lips but not uttering a sound. Immediately as she concluded her prayer, the matter was settled. Though she didn't have tangible evidence of an answer to her heart's cry at the moment, she had the tangible confidence in the one to whom she cried. The matter was settled in prayer. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Freedom is only in Christ Jesus, and I hope you know that freedom, that you know Christ as your Savior and Lord. Uh, We are taking calls, and we've got lines that are open, and we're going to get to as many calls as we can. That number, if you have a Bible question, is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. We would love to hear your question today. Well, first, Alex, we're going to Larry in Arkansas. Welcome, Larry. Yes, uh, how y'all doing? Uh, thank God that you uh, allowed me to uh, get on. But my thing is that, you know, uh, God say all unrighteousness is sin. And and my thing is, uh, even I listen to y'all pretty much every day. I listen to most of the uh, uh, Bible talk in the radio station, Christian station. I am a Christian myself. I am born again. But but my thing, what I got a problem with is uh, some of us, we don't talk enough about other stuff. We talk a lot about adultery, you know. But that same God said, don't lie. He said, don't steal. And, you know, us Christians, we shouldn't be cussing. We shouldn't be drinking. We shouldn't be smoking. We shouldn't be smoking dope. He said, don't kill. You know, uh, women, I'm from the old school. Women shouldn't be wearing pants. You know, we don't, that's what's wrong now. We don't got away too much from where, where, where we really need to be 50 years ago, okay? You got 613 commandments in the Bible. I mean, it's, it's impossible. We can't do it. This, uh, the only way we can be righteous in that, we're going through Jesus Christ. And I understand all of that. And I know, mm-hmm. and I already know you're going to say that well, when, a, uh, when a man commits adultery, when he commits fornication, pretty much any sexual sin, that you, you are sinning against yourself. But I still say that we need to talk more about this stuff I just named lying, stealing, mm-hmm. cussing, you know killing, you know, all that stuff, you know, we got to talk more about that. We dwell on, it's like we dwell on one thing too much. It's not just on your show and other shows I have uh, listened to on the radio. Uh, Hey, Larry, let me jump in here for just a minute. Uh, You make some really good points. Now, I want to say that, uh, Bert, we need, if we're a born-again believer, living for Jesus, John Wesley talked to his young men and his prisoners about holiness. And I've got to say, and uh, I largely do agree with the caller. Now, about women wearing pants, I don't know that that's uh, a, a, a fight that we are called to fight. But let me just say this. Um, personal holiness. We need to tell the truth. We need to be people that are not going out and carousing and drinking and being, uh, you know, sexually immoral. Uh, we ought to be, and this is not for legalism or for pride or being a Pharisee, but we Christians are called to be exemplary people, aren't we, Bert? We are. And, and Larry, let me say this. Why adultery? They are, all sin is sin, but there are sins that have so much greater consequences than others. Let me just put this. 
adultery, when adultery occurs, guess what you're dealing? Doing. You're stealing and you're lying. That, in other words, adultery, you're doing that uh, because you're stealing away from the fornication. You're stealing that which God was meant for marriage only and for one uh, a husband and wife only. And, and when you're lying, you're lying to what you said, to I'd be true to them. So when I agree with you, I agree with Alex. All of these are whole, uh, in holiness. And we even talked about gossip today, Larry. We tried to get on mm-hmm. that. I don't, I don't remember getting on adultery today. If we did, I, I didn't hear it. But, yes, we need to be holy. The Bible says we are to be holy because God is holy. We're to be like him. Mm. Larry? Thank you for listening. And Good question. Brother, I, I do appreciate that because I'm really going to be mindful of that. And let's go to Iowa and talk to Rodney. Hey, by the way, that number for all of you listening, we do have some lines open, 888-589-8840. Go ahead, Rodney. How you guys doing? Doing well today. Good. Hey, my question is, and me and my wife kind of had an argument about it. Got a little heated, too. Probably shouldn't have. She had to calm me down and say, listen, you know, we're both believers. We shouldn't even be arguing about this. But my question is, it goes back to the tree, of, uh, uh, it goes back to the Garden of Eden. There were two trees in the in the midst of the garden. There was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God told them they can eat from all the trees in the garden, all of them, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he basically said, that's mine, leave it alone. He's always kept something aside for himself, like the Jew and Israel, but morality. But anyway, um, my question is, it was my opinion that Adam and Eve always ate from the tree of life until they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then they were no longer allowed to eat from the tree of life. She's of the opinion that they never even ate from the tree of life because if they did, they would one time they would have lived forever, and and I wasn't of that opinion. And could you you got the answer to that question? And if you don't, would you ask Abe and maybe he can mention it? Hmm. Uh, well, great, great question. And of course, this is in Genesis chapter three, um, and the serpent tempted Eve. And God had said, of the tree in the midst of the garden, you shall not eat. Now, Bert, when they disobeyed and sinned, um, I've always understood it, although the Bible isn't completely clear about this, that uh, they were driven out of the Garden of Eden, and a cherubim with a flaming sword was put to really sequester away access to the tree of life, and many commentators have said because if they ate from the tree of life, they would be forever in this horrible, fallen, unredeemed state. Bert, I want to submit, and again, this is a little bit speculative, they didn't have to eat from the tree of life prior to the fall because prior to the fall there would have been no death. Remember, God said this, and this is very important. God had said, in the day that you eat thereof, you will die. Okay? Now, Prior to that, though, they wouldn't have died. Bert, would you agree to that? I agree to that. They did when they ate of that tree. They did die immediately spiritually. They would die physically ultimately, and then for a social, they would die progressively. Getting the Bible says it get worse and worse. But I I agree they did not have to eat of that tree of life as it was set aside. Uh, it is our nature and my nature. We want to go after the forbidden. You know, that it reveal, even in their state of innocence, they, the desire to go after the forbidden, the forbidden fruit, that which you don't do. And uh, so it reveals that nature. But I, I agree with you, Alex. So thank you so much, Rodney. Let's go to North Carolina and talk to Andrew. Welcome, Andrew. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for taking my call. I really appreciate everything you guys do. Um, and I, I just want to take a second. Alex, um, my daughter's going to go to your camp in North Carolina, and I hope to have her see you and listen to you in person. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And by the way, our camps, you can go to the website, equipretreat.org, equipretreat.org. We're doing summer youth camps. So thank you so much, brother. God bless you. Sure. Thanks. My question today, guys, um, last week, uh, Mickey was talking about 
the um, the incidences of suicide related to the pandemic in teens and young people. And, um, you know, I was talking to my wife about that because we're you know, a young daughter. And, um, you know, it's scary because my wife and I were raised to believe that if you commit suicide, then you're going to be separated from God because you commit that sin right as you go. But then I was talking to another friend recently, and he was of the opinion, had been raised that um, a Christian, a true believer, even if they commit suicide, is going to be saved. So I didn't know if you guys could shed some light on that topic for me and uh, help me understand better as to whether I was raised wrong or if there's a, a better answer out there. Thank you, Andrew. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, by the way, the sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder, includes the sin of self-murder. Suicide is is wrong. Suicide is never justified. Uh, let me say, and, and I, I say this really honestly with fear and trembling, because listen carefully, folks, what I'm about to say, in no way, in no way would I ever say that suicide was okay. It's not, because it's taking something that doesn't belong to you. Your life is not your own. My life is not my own. It belongs to God who gave it. However, uh, most scholars uh, that are Bible-believing scholars would say that, look, when you get born again, you are positionally in Christ. Romans 4, the righteousness of Jesus is attributed to you. And the, the fact, somebody will say, yeah, but if you kill yourself, you can't ask forgiveness for that sin. Well, there's a lot of sins that we, we might forget or we're unaware and it slips our mind and we don't ask forgiveness for. So when you get born again, you are in Christ. Now, your sonship is settled because you accepted Christ. Your fellowship is a day-by-day investment that you've got to work on. Bert, I would submit that if a person is born again and they commit suicide, they still would go to heaven. Yes, but I want to be as emphatic as I can. Uh, uh, that's a risk, though, that yeah. um, Pat Robertson said it well. God's mercies are very great, but we don't presume upon them. That's the and statement so if that we feelings, need to end on, don't you think, Alex? We better not presume upon it, God. Get counseling, folks. There's always hope. You, killing yourself is never never the answer if you're in a bad place right now folks get help and and there is a brighter tomorrow and life is worth living thank you andrew hope that helps and i i will have nothing to add uh don't presume upon god uh stay right with god let's go to louisiana and talk to kathy welcome kathy hi gentlemen how are y'all today um i have a question that has been bothering me for quite a while um, I was raised in the Southern Baptist community, and my husband goes to a United Pentecostal church. And when I go with him, they presume that I am not saved simply because I don't take it that I have received the Holy Ghost in tongues. And I've told them several times that I was not raised that way that I was raised with Jesus Christ on the cross, forgiveness of sins, and received the Holy Spirit to guide me through the rest of my life. And they don't take it that way. So I am very confused about their presumption that I am not saved because I do not speak in tongues and I do not dress the way that they dress and They've told me that there are no lines of ministry for me in their church because I don't look and act the part. So yeah. I'm going to hang up and see what y'all have to say. Thank you, Kathy. Go ahead, Alex. Uh, well, God bless you. Um, I, first of all, I, I've even got a bigger problem than this with the UPC, the United Pentecostal Church. They deny the Trinity, and they really believe a view of God that is called modalism, that uh, they, they really— most, I'm, I'm not sure all, but I've dialogued with right many of them, and they uh, disagree with the, the doctrine of the Trinity. But 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen says that we are baptized by one spirit into one body, Jew, Greek, slave, or free, and we are all given that spirit to drink. Here's the thing. Um, 
The Holy Spirit of God indwells the believer at the moment of salvation. Romans 8, 9 says that um, if we belong to Christ, we do have the Spirit. If we don't have the Spirit, we don't yet belong to Christ. So Bert, um, and, and 1 Corinthians is very clear about there's different gifts, and some have healing and tongues and other gifts, and some have other gifts. So Bert, I really think it's been most unfortunate and based on what this caller's saying, from what little I know, I would vehemently disagree with this church. I would, too. Um, and the, I, they're adding to yeah, the gospel. That's exactly the words that I was going to say. They're adding to. It is in Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone. And listen, uh, I, I go in with your husband, uh, great deal, but just put on the armor of God and let their criticism roll off. That's sometimes what you have to do. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was yeah. there. Let's say let's go to Robert. Yeah, there he is. Robert yeah. in yeah. Texas. Robert, welcome. Yeah, I was there. Let's say let's go to Robert. There he is. Robert. Turn your radio off, Robert, please. <laughs> yes, sir. How you doing, Alex? Hey, uh, I was going to ask you. I have a Christian sister that she prays to saints. I think it's wrong, but uh, well, what do you think about it? Okay. We have one mediator between God and man, don't we, Alex? Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah. We don't pray to any humans, living or dead. We don't pray to any saints. Um, and in fact, really, every born-again believer is a saint. You know what? Um, we don't pray to other Christians. We pray to Christ, don't we? We do, and he's the only one. We're going to try to get a quick question in from Texas, and it's Jordan. Real quick, Jordan, we don't have a lot of time, but we're going to try to get to your question. Just wondering about Lot's daughters after they left Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Lot's daughters in, in, in Genesis, he, they plied him with wine and then both slept with him. I'm new to the Bible, and I'm learning from you guys. I'm doing everything I can, but I had a real big question about that. I'm going to hang up and listen to you. Hey, Jordan, you're not the only one the question. Let me say this, and Alex, you take us out. Uh, Lot's wife, uh, daughters got out of Sodom and Gomorrah, but Sodom and Gomorrah didn't get out of Lot's daughters, you know? Yeah, I mean, here, here's a principle. Not everything the Bible records does the Bible affirm or approve. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah was was dead. Lot's daughters uh, resorted to incest. I mean, this is horrible. They wanted to have children. Um, the Bible records that, but what it shows is the deplorable moral state that happened. And even Lot, uh, God's servant in that area, he had been so influenced by the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah. But yeah, that's a that's a bad thing that they did, even though the Bible does record that. But this has been Exploring the Word. We're going to be in Proverbs 26 tomorrow, so read on ahead. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank my co-host, Bert Harper, for being with me. Do something. Tell somebody about American Family Radio, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.